You're listening to The Professional Blur, a podcast hosted by me, Jason Klom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Professional Blur podcast. I am your host, Jason Klom. With me on the phone is my very good friend, Matt Sachs. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a thrill to be back on a Stolen Dress podcast. I love this. Thank so thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, so every episode's been a little different, uh, and I know a little bit more, obviously, about some people's work than others. Um, and I know you've got you've got some big stories that we can save towards the end. But I want to get some stuff that I, I don't think you and I have ever talked about, and this is the stuff I try and ask people about um, ahead of time. But um, sure. first, tell people who you are, the stuff you're involved with, where you are, the stuff you work on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so they know what's going on. Okay, uh, I'll try and you know make it brief. Uh, I'm Matthew Sachs, and I'm an actor and producer and sometime director and theater person. And uh, I lived in L.A. for eight years and uh, earned my SAG card by basically doing some extra work and did a lot of uh, 99 Seat and Under Theater at companies like Sacred Fools and Arc Theater Company. And then in about uh, in the fall of 2008, Eight, I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I currently reside, and I still do theater, and, and when it comes up, a little film and television work when I can get it, some music videos and other things here, and uh, that's basically who I am, and I have a BA in theater from the University of Alabama, so I've been involved in acting in one way or another for over, I guess, like, you know, since high school, technically, so right. now, like, 25 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about your first time on a set, and it could be a student film too. But uh, I'm—I'd also like to know about your first time on like uh, a big old professional set. Yeah, I don't think of like I—I I helped on one student film when I was in college, and it was—you know—I didn't think of it as much of like being on set thing. But I always consider the first time I was really on set. Um, I, I, it's a, like a it's a, like a tie between when I worked on a local soap opera in St. Louis that was like popular. Uh, it was a, like a, it was on I don't know if it was community access or a private channel or what it was, but that was just like one day I, I, I did some work there. And but I really always consider my first day really on set to be my first day ever doing any kind of film work in Los Angeles, which was on Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. in California. Uh, that's the day I first consider really being on set because it was like a one-day crash course in what it was like to be on a big movie set. And right. I'd never been on anything like it. I was like 23 years old, and I was just kind of like, oh, my God, this is a little overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, that's day. crazy because a lot of the times, especially if you're doing it out here, it's it's obviously more rare that you're shipped out to do something on location, but it's also like you're doing a day on a TV show, which means you drive in, you drive out, you're out. Uh, the biggest thing I ever did was The Aviator, but it was one day. Sure, it was a long day, but it was like, again, in and out. It's not fucking Pearl Harbor by Michael Bay. That's That's a pretty massive first gig. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I had li- I had only arrived in L.A., like, I think, like, um, that month, maybe, like, you awesome. know, four okay. or five weeks before it, mm-hmm. and I registered with one of the first online extras casting companies, because, oh, okay. you know, it was something I saw, like, literally on the street, you know, like, you know, uh, I think it was just called Extra Cast. I, mm-hmm. I can't honestly remember, but... There are a lot like, of them. We always talk about Central Casting, but there are other, like, smaller agencies that do it, so... Yeah, like, I didn't even go to Central Casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I hadn't even 
barely heard of them except for like the cliche of like, oh, they're from Central Casting. You know, I'd heard of them, but I'd only lived in LA for like four or five weeks and I just saw like a poster in a neighborhood for this, you know, the newest thing in, in, ca- in casting would be online. So register with us. So I was like, okay. So I went and registered with this company and true to their word, like within like, I think it was like 48 hours. Uh, they were asking me if I could work this day on, on Pearl Harbor, which I, again, I hadn't only lived in LA for like three or four weeks. I barely knew it was happening. I yeah. didn't even know it was really happening. That's so so I was like, sure, I'll work on that. <laughs> and okay. And they sent me the address and I had to figure out, you know, I had bought a Thomas guide because again, and no, oh, yeah, we haven't no. talked. I don't think we've talked about this. This is something I oh, had yeah. to write about the other day, but back in the day before the internet was super reliable and you didn't have it on a phone yet, uh, you had to get the thickest book in the world that was every street in LA printed out so that you could figure out where the fuck you were going. Yeah, it was like a, you know, it was a giant map of the entire city and, and south, Southern California area, like, you know, included Long Beach and stuff like that and going out to Anaheim and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I had a Thomas guide, which I bought like, like when I had arrived there because I had been read and been told like in, you know, like how to be a working actor, like get a Thomas guide, the book, how to be a working actor, like, uh, you know, get a Thomas guide. But of course they also sent the exact address and it was at this airfield way out you know, past Long Beach and like in the middle of nowhere, like an abandoned airfield. And, you know, I think I did like go to a a computer lab on the USC campus because I was living practically on the USC campus in a Mm -hmm. group house um, and went and looked it up, you know, somehow, like I think on MapQuest, which was like, again, like a new website. I think it had only been around for a couple years or something like that. But I went and looked up the address and printed out like a street by street turn thing, and uh, and I had the Thomas guide, and I think my mother had given me like one of those old fashioned GPSs where you plugged into the cigarette lighter. Oh yeah, sure. And it it had a voice on a tiny blocky thing, like a little blocky monitor that showed you you know street by street like the turns, but it was just like a map that looked like the Thomas guide map, like it was yeah, not yeah. like a. You know, it was not like a turn by turn. There were no pictures or any, you know, any satellite pictures or anything. You just had to trust that it was taking you the right way. Right. So I, but I was like, I, this is my first job, so I don't want to be late. So I'm going to have everything. I'm going to have the Thomas guide open. I'm going to have this turn by turn direction printout and I'm going to have this thing plugged in and hopefully it'll work, um, you know, cause it was spotty in some areas and everything and I'm going to get there. So I figured it all out. And, uh, you know, I got up early, obviously early in the morning. I think my call time was like, God, I want to say like 7.30 or something like that, 6.30, 7.30, something like that. And I left super early because I was like nervous about L.A. traffic and going to a place I'd never been. Sure. And consequently, I was like one of the first people who got there. Like, you know, I eventually got after driving and driving. You know, I saw the signs that they said that they would put up there, and I followed them and turned into the parking area. Did it say? I'm always curious. Did it say Pearl Harbor on the sign? Because sometimes there's code names, right? So I think it. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Like you know, they'll they'll code name stuff so people, you know, paparazzi or whatever, or people who just want to show up on set of something mm-hmm. to try and you know crash it, mm-hmm. uh, don't know about it. So I think it had like PH on it or something oh, okay. like that. I was but recently I told what the code to the Picard show was, and I really desperately want to go hunting for it so I can just crash uh, the set. <laughs> um, 
but this I think it just said pH, but I'm trying to remember this because this was like God, like uh, 19 years ago. But as I recall, it was just uh, just pH, and I found all the signs and parked and everything, and got out of my car and walked to like you know where they had like somebody waiting or a sign or something like that and checked in. You know, and it what was interesting about it was like I thought I'd gotten the job. But apparently it wasn't clear like what they were going to do is they were going to look at people and keep some people and send other people home. Oh, wow. They had yeah. you do all this just to check you out. What a dick yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> it, dick I did move. not know that. And wow. I was like, oh, my God. Well, I hope I like I was so nervous. Like I thought that, too. But I was also like kind of like, why? I mean, like if they called me in, they must want to see me. But yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what this is going to what's going to happen. So eventually, like. You know, a bunch of guys showed up. I want to say like 30 guys showed up, 25 to 30 guys showed up, you know, all on this. You know, I was 22, but I look I was 23 years old, but I look, you know, much younger mm-hmm. or at least younger. Like I could play 18 or younger. So and um, and a bunch of other guys showed up, some more older than others and everything like that. And somebody, an AD or somebody looked at us and and brought and took pictures of us too i think as i recall and showed them i think to michael bay and then like it was said like you know people were like you know told okay you are gonna go and get a haircut because you're gonna definitely work today you hold off you know you'll come to set with us and we'll see and and i was told you will be working today so you can go and get a haircut and I was like, oh, okay. And I was like one of the first two people who was told, you're going to work today, go to like hair and makeup because you're going to get a haircut. And I hadn't even known. I think maybe they said like, are you okay with getting your haircut? Because they have to warn you about that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. You're going to get something done like that. But I honestly, trying to look back, I don't remember. I guess they had said that. And I guess I had been, I'm sure I said, sure, I don't care. Um, so I went to the hair and makeup place. And even though I was like one of the first two people to go to that tent, I had to wait. I don't know why they made me wait. Like they brought in other people and got their hair cut and sent them to wardrobe to get dressed. And me, I had to keep waiting until like I was like the, the last person to get my hair cut. And then so I got weird. to wardrobe. It was very weird. And then I got to wardrobe and they they outfitted me really quickly. Like they, they knew, I think it was based off the picture. They knew how they wanted to, to dress me. And I put on all the period costume stuff you oh, know and so took good. my clothes yeah and i put on this flight suit and everything and, and is the there hat. is there anything more hollywood though than first getting your hair cut like in a, in a trailer like that feels so hollywood especially when you're new and it was, then to get the costumes come on yeah it was like a big tent it wasn't even a trailer oh wow okay giant tent it was a giant tent that had like chairs all around it and everything and no i mean it was it was like a hair and makeup person she's like you know she's like how are you sweetheart you know Mm -hmm. it was very you know (laughs) it was very like almost like cliche-ish in a way i I couldn't believe like you know she's like how are you doing you know i've been doing this for like 30 years now and i was like oh this is my first time ever on a movie set she was like oh my gosh (laughs) she's like well i'm sorry you had to wait i don't know why they made you stand there let me get you done and she she took like she moves fast, but at the same time, I felt like, you know, like hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, because yeah, I don't know yeah. what the hell is going to happen. Like, so she, but she got it done, and it kept, it kept, like she kept doing it, and then she'd look at it and go, I remember this clearly. Like she'd look at it and go, maybe a little more, and she'd take off a little more, and then she'd look at it, and then she'd adjust like my 
my front or my bangs or my sides. She kept having to go rotate around my head to get it just how she felt. Was right. <laughs> I don't know why it just took forever. And uh, then they ran me over to wardrobe and I got dressed and that was, yeah, I mean, to put on those period clothes and be told, okay, here's like tuck in your pants into the shoes. And here's like how you want to layer this stuff and everything like that. Cause it was a full, you know, like a uh, flight suit kind of outfit with a jacket and hat and everything so good. And boots. Yeah. So I was like, I remember looking in the mirror after putting it on. I'm like, God, this is amazing. I mean, for a full 10 years, for a full 10 years after Saving Private Ryan, everybody was rushing to do their World War II movie. So if you were here during that period of time, there's at least half a chance you'd get to do one. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, like, I remember later when, like, they had announced, like, they were making Band of Brothers, you know, every young actor in in L.A. and, like, in the age range was like, oh, I hope I get to work on that. Of course. Yeah. And then they shot it over in England, and so many English and, mm-hmm. and foreign actors worked on it. Simon Pegg, all these people yeah. who I, I, I always, I've still never seen it, but I keep discovering like people I love. They're like, oh yeah, they started in Band of Brothers. I'm like, what the fuck, really? I just, I, yeah. Of course, there are people in Saving Private Ryan who I forget are in there too. Uh, yeah, so. like Paul Giamatti's in Saving Private Ryan. Paul like, Giamatti, oh, you got uh, Nathan Fillion's in there briefly. Yep. I always forget Ted Danson's in it. He's great. He's one of my favorite yep. parts. I, obviously, was not uh, a new actor at the time, but uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but people pop up in both those things because, like, you're right. Like in in the Simon Pegg pops up in in uh, Band of Brothers. Uh, boy, I think God, I think what's his name, uh, Magneto, and everybody. oh, really? Okay, I think. I think he pops up in it too. Funny. I think he's a German, maybe. In it. Well, because well, he is actually German, so that would make sense. I mean, yeah, that's really funny. Uh, but you, you see, like names. You're right. Like you see names pop up in in both those things, and you're like, oh, that's right, he's in it. Oh, he, that's right, he's in it. Uh, especially English actors in in Band of Brothers because they shot so much of it over there. Mm-hmm. And so America, I remember Amer- actors in, in Los Angeles, like, grumbling about, like, well, shoot, there's not going to be any opportunities for that. Right. But, yeah. And then immediately after Pearl, I got a call about working on Wind Talkers, which was that movie that oh, Nicolas yeah. Cage shot about, you know, Navajo mm-hmm. Codebreakers. Did that one turn out to be one of his insane movies or, like, actually good? I never saw that I one. Did, I never saw it. I think it was kind of a blip on the radar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't make a big hit and everything. But I like to... But, assume that he wouldn't fuck up a prestige movie that's like about sensitive material but you never know he seems crazy i i think like but i think like that that film was like one of the first ones to use like a lot of actual like native americans native in it, american yeah. actors and mm-hmm. like i think adam beats made his name with it or something like makes that. sense that makes sense yeah but i remember like on pearl like you know this was like the first big big one and at the time I found out later, like, this is the most expensive movie ever made. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. At the time it was shooting, you know. So when I finished working on it and got back to L.A., like, people were like, oh, my God, it's, like, the biggest movie being made. Um, And it gave me a little cachet. But going back to that first day, so I got the haircut and I got dressed, and I'm running to the set because everyone had already gone to set. And I'm I'm the last person after waiting all the time to get the haircut. I'm so nervous, like. And I see a bunch of guys, like some guys who've been brought to set but hadn't been given haircuts and costumes. They're walking back. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I ran into the crowd of them, and I asked them, like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we've been sent home. And I was like, oh, my God, should I go back and get out of this and go home? They're like, no, no, no. Like, I remember a guy, and I remember him distinctly because he was very short. He was like about five foot one or two. He's like, no, no, no. 
you should stay. I mean, they got you. They made you get your haircut and costume. You're you're working today. Yeah, yeah. You know, you should go go to set. You know, you'll be fine. But the rest of us are going home. But have a good day. And I remember thinking he was very, he was very, you know, uh, you know, taking it all in stride and professional and very, very generous and kind to, to instruct me about like how to do this and what's going on. And That's everything. I had, interesting. I had no clue. I That's had no clue. You know, like I think normally there's a minimum of hours they have to pay you for, but still, and they have to pay you for mileage. But that is, I don't care. That's a waste of a day in L.A. That yeah. sucks for those dudes. Yeah, I felt really bad for those guys, you know, like, because I knew they had to drive all the way back into the city. And yeah. Wow. And even just being in L.A. for like four weeks, I could tell, like, well, geez, what are they going to, these guys going to do all day and, right. and all that. And I had no idea if they were getting paid or not. I had no idea. Right, right. And so I felt really bad for them. And at the same time, I felt like, well, geez, by the time I get there, everything's going to be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not going to, they're going to make me stand and wait. So I rush over there and I get there. And as soon as I get there, like some AD sees me and he's like, you, yes, come here. We want you come here. And they line me up and with a bunch of other guys. And it was, and immediately like within like five, 10 minutes, we're shooting the scene in the movie where the guys volunteer for the Doolittle raid. Now, if you've seen Pearl Harbor, for those people who haven't seen Pearl Harbor, in the movie, what happens is like Alec Baldwin call as Jimmy Doolittle, Colonel James Doolittle, calls Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett up into his office and talks to them about like you know we're going on this mission. If you guys do, you guys know what top secret means? It's the kind of mission they give your, your medals for, but they send them to your family or something like that. Mm-hmm. He goes, "All right, well here we go." So go downstairs and wait. So. Then Alec Baldwin gives a little speech, and I'll never forget it because I'm like I'm standing there and I'm like I'm staring at him. I'm like God, my God, that's Alec Baldwin. And then there's Ben Affleck and another guy and me, mm-hmm. something like that. Or me and or Ben Affleck. Like I was like within like two people of the of the leads of the movie. I didn't recognize anybody else. Mm-hmm. I knew about Josh Hartnett, but I didn't know anything about him. But Alec and and Ben Affleck, you know, they were big stars. Sure, yeah. So I knew them, and I was like, kind of like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So they put me on this. They, they told all of us, okay, stand here, stand here. All of you stand in a row. And they arranged us and everything, and they set up the, the cameras on the dollies to roll and everything. And Alec just immediately steps out. And he did this like in – he did this like in – we did multiple takes of it, obviously, but the first take was pretty much perfect. He steps out and goes, the mission I'm asking you to follow – to uh, volunteer for is exceptionally dangerous. Look to the man to the left or the right of you, or something like that. There's a good chance that either you or he will be dead. Anyone brave enough to accept this, step forward. And then we're all supposed to step forward, except for one guy. And like Alec Baldwin comes over to him and you know whispers something, and he goes back. But they cut that out of the movie. No, oh, okay. And I completely understand why, because <clears throat> why do you, would you care about some guy who's not going to volunteer for the mission? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is I, I was like kind of even like as a 22 year old guy I was like I don't want to know about the one guy who doesn't volunteer <laughs> yeah he needs his this own movie be, he doesn't deserve a yeah. scene you know yeah isn't this supposed to be about guys volunteering for a dangerous mission aren't we all supposed to be heroic <laughs> alright whatever <laughs> so we all stepped forward and we did it a couple times but it was not that hard I mean literally we just stepped forward and then and stood there and then we shot the, the next part, which is like, um, so in the movie, you see like all the, in the movie, you see like just our boots, you see us all in a line and Alex says that speech and then it just cuts to our feet 
all stepping forward and they cut out like the guy who doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a famous Michael Bay shot. We're all slow walking out of like with a big flag behind us and the hangar and airplanes around us walking into the camera. And, um, and then we shot immediately. And this was, what was interesting. It was like sequential because we shot scenes of us, uh, uh, trying to lighten B-29 army bombers to fly the Doolittle raid. And for those people who aren't familiar, the Doolittle raid, which is what I worked on, I didn't work on anything that happened at Pearl Harbor, which was in Hawaii and everything. The Doolittle raid was the American response to the attack on Pearl Harbor where a plan was made to bomb Tokyo. Okay. Where army aircraft, because there was no air force, it was an army aircraft. Big army aircraft planes were stripped down practically to the bare bones to be light enough to be launched off naval aircraft carriers to carry a raid out and bomb Tokyo, which the Japanese thought their home island and Tokyo was impenetrable and un and and couldn't be attacked or touched by any foreign force. Um, going back to the ancient times when the Chinese tried to invade it and were wiped out, their navy was wiped out by a typhoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea was to plan a raid to, to counter Pearl Harbor and lower Japanese morale and let them know on the home island and in the capital, specifically Tokyo, that they were not completely safe from harm like they thought they were. Right. And it did succeed. It was a daring, daring mission. And it was, you know, uh, it was the it was the kind of high point of the early days of the war before uh, American naval victory started happening. But we needed something really bad. And the Doolittle Raid, while not like hugely effective, did uh, have a big morale boost and showed the Japanese like that Ameri- that foreign armies and aircraft could invade the home islands. I feel like I should point out that Matt is a human encyclopedia. I forgot to bring that up. <laughs> we'll get to why I know this and how I discovered it uh, in such detail later. But yeah, I forgot that that if we talk about something historical, you know everything there is to know about it. Well, what was, what was interesting about this was I barely knew about this. I, I okay, heard a okay. little about it. I knew about Pearl Harbor. Everyone knows about Pearl Harbor, you know, mm-hmm. coming up in about a month, you know. But I didn't know too much about the Doolittle Raid. And I had to learn this, like I kind of learned, picked this up, like after I learned a little on set, obviously, and then I learned more in advance of what happened next. Mm-hmm. So we're the scene is like we're stripping the planes down and to make them light and then take them off off an aircraft carrier. And the idea being like, if you fly a plane that big off an aircraft carrier, it could plummet into the ocean and kill the entire crew and mm-hmm. lose a giant expensive plane if you don't get it off the edge, because once it's off the edge, that's it. It has like maybe like about, you know, however many feet off the water, surface of the ocean. Right, right, okay. And then you're dead. Um, and and that's it. You plummet into the ocean. So your scene is right do. before they start doing the stripping, is that right? Am I... Um, it's, 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 it's that scene right before the stripping happens where we volunteer for the mission and we walk out and then Alec talks about, you know, we're going to look, you're going to learn to fly these planes, these giant planes, like bombers. The only and, reason I ask is I'm pulling it up on YouTube and I, I really yeah. quickly need to pull, uh, to point out there's a real quick moment on the aircraft carrier or wherever the fuck they are, uh, where at some point Ben Affleck has the line, this can't be good. Jesus Christ, who wrote this fucking thing? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this There's can't a, be I'm good. I'm in that scene, too. 
I'm in that scene too. You are okay. Like from, from from the moment the volunteer scene happens uh-huh. until until they're on the raid, like flying over the ocean into Japan, mm-hmm. I am in all of that stuff in the movie, and I shot everything that had to do with that. That's awesome. That so, so yeah. I'm but realizing I, I never really, yet. I've never watched it before. I've, I've never seen the movie because it always looked mostly terrible to me. Um, but then when you told me that you were in it, I, I, I'm realizing now I've never taken a, a moment to try and find you in it before, uh, which is dumb. I should have done that before. No, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll, it's not, no, it's, it's a long movie. So it's not, in a, you know, it's, it's a long movie that has like a kind of spotty history. Some people really enjoy it. Sure. Some people think it's crap. I mean, mm-hmm. literally South Park did an episode where like, you know, they have the lines, people singing like in Pearl Harbor was a really bad movie. Or something <laughs> like that. I will and say I this remember... is like just on the edge of Alec Baldwin still a hunk. He's, he's still hunky. He's, he's only a couple years away from being Jack Don- Donaghy at this point. It, I think you're right because it was, this was like 2000. So it's straddling like before he did any real like comedy stuff, you know, yeah. This yeah, yeah. long before. Yeah. Jack Donaghy. And he was, you know, he was, he needed this, I think he Pearl because he admired the, because he wanted to play James Doolittle, who is a great American I mean, that would be so much fun. Hero. I mean, come oh, on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. And, uh, you know, um, I think he, I think he did it because he, I think I remember reading an Alex biography, like he did it because he admired the, the character so much. Because Jimmy Doolittle, the guy he was playing is an amazing American military figure. I mean, even before World War II and the Doolittle Raid, he'd done incredible things on airplanes and, mm-hmm. and made aviation history. And to top it off, he's a huge American hero and playing one of the most daring raids in, and executed one of the most daring military missions in all of World War II. So I think that's part of why Alec wanted to do it. Sure. But yeah, so then like we cut to the scene and Alec tells us, you know, we're going to make these planes light and then you're going to fly them and you're going to learn how to launch them off something in 40 feet or something like that. Because if it's 40 something feet, you're dead. And he mm-hmm. improv that. And I watched him like he added the you're dead part. That was not in the script. And he, he would add little things here and there. And I watched him add little things to punch it. Like he would say to Michael Bay, I'm going to add, I'm going to first improv that. And Michael, I remember Michael Bay saying to him, like, I like that. I like that. And Michael and Alex like, yeah, I think I'm going to twist. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to do a little thing here and there and change a couple little things here and there. And he, and Michael gave him pretty much free reign to do it. And every time it was better mm-hmm. and it was intense. So watching him do that was like, oh my gosh, he's this guy is really good. He yeah. really knows what he's doing, and he's punching up this dialogue, something fierce. Because he did it, the, I remember he did it the first time, at least he did it as it was on, on the page. And then he started playing with it. And that's what he would do throughout the rest of the shoot. He would do it how it was written first, and then he'd play with it and turn it around a little bit or edit it or, or add something. And he was, and to me, it always sounded more natural and better, however he edited it and whatever he did with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he gave us that little speech, and then we went out onto the, onto the, this, tarmac or the this dirt airfield and watch planes fly off and we were supposed to not be successful at it and that's where it gets into like cutting back and forth like they have the planes they are not being able to make the distance to to launch so then they cut to um uh the guy who played like alex second who i'm trying to remember his name oh kim coates kim coates who later got famous as playing tig on sons of anarchy Okay, uh, and he had been in Bad Boys, I think, before that too. Like Michael Bay likes him a lot as a character actor, but uh, Kim Coates playing like the guy who's like advising the plane. So they, 
it gets like him telling Ben Affleck and, and all the rest of us, like, get this off this plane. She's a fat lady. We're going to make it skinny. And, you know, I, it got to the point where it was like ridiculous. Like, you know, people saying to him, like Alec Baldwin, he's crazy. We can't take this off. We got to take this armor off. We got to do this. And Alec Baldwin just like, listen to what he says, do what he says. And then cutting back to the plane, still not making it. So finally we shoot the scene. Like, we're shooting scenes of, like, the planes aren't making it, and Alec screams at us, you know, like, put every man on the line, and he successfully flies the plane off. And we were, and we were told, this is where it gets into, like, where I learned about what Michael Bay was like. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we do the, the scene, and we're supposed to cheer. And we're told, like, okay, real cheer, you know, this is a great thing that he did this. So, like, everyone cheer. So it's getting near the end of the day, and we've done a lot of takes, and we've shot all this stuff, and some people are a little tired. And it was also bright and hot out. Like it was, Ugh, we were yeah. standing outside there, bare sun, no shade, because it's an airfield, and it, it was hot as hell. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a little burned out and a little tired. So we do it, and Michael Bay comes over and he's like, "Okay, guys, we're gonna we're gonna do it again because that just didn't have much energy. So we're gonna do it again. And every time we do it again, like this plane would have to like turn around and roll and drive back up to the starting point and then start roaring past us and you know, every time it was a practical thing. It was not CGI. It was yeah. giant planes doing this. And we did it a second time and Bay was like, no, no. And I could tell he was getting really ticked off about it. He's like, hey, bigger, bigger. So we do it a third time, I think. And then this time he lost it. Like he came over and he just started screaming like, God fucking damn it. You fuckers. <laughs> come on. Every other word out of his mouth was like an F-bomb screaming at us, screaming at us to, you know, celebrate how big a deal this is. And we were all just kind of stunned. Mm-hmm. Like, he walked, he talks off. And I, I remember just standing there thinking, like, oh, my God, what the hell was that? This is still, like we're was, still talking your first day on a movie set. This is right? all my first day. <laughs> like, I, this is maybe, like, seven hours into it. And I'm, like, kind of, like, I've already shot a scene with Alec Baldwin. And, like, we've done this walking scene. And now we're doing this stuff. And I'm, like what the hell is this? (laughs) And so we all got yelled at. So then Michael's stalking across back to the camera after he's just literally screamed his head off. It was like Bobby Knight, the basketball coach, screaming and yelling at us, (laughs) Uh chewing us out, and F-bombing us left and right. And as he walks off, as he gets out of earshot, Affleck starts imitating him. Like Affleck starts going, yeah, you dumb fucks. Let's get get your fucking asses in gear. Come on, motherfuckers. And I don't know who started it. It might have even been me. But I just start, I just start laughing. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious. Like I was already amused by being yelled at like that because I thought it was like so cliche and funny. Like I wasn't nervous about it at all. Like I wasn't like you know I didn't think like, is he gonna fire us? What's he gonna do? You mm-hmm. know we're all here. We're all shooting. This is not like he's gonna fire all of us. Right. So I was already kind of like realizing what kind of bullshit there was on set and everything. Um, but that was like my first indication. Like eh, whatever. Um, but I start laughing. And some other guys start tittering. And then we're all, and Affleck keeps doing it. And it was hilarious. He sounded just like him. And he got all the right, like, cadences and tones. It was fucking hilarious. So then we're all laughing. And even Hartnett, who was very quiet, and I think maybe said one, I maybe heard him say, like, two words that weren't, you know, know, acting script words. Mm -hmm. You know, when we'd be, when we'd be in between breaks and everything. He starts smiling. He didn't laugh. He just, like, got a big smile. He kind of, like, broke a thin-lipped smile on his face and looking at Affleck and smiling. And we're all dying laughing. And then we hear Michael scream, All right, action! And, like, the plane rolls. And then we just went nuts. Like, all the laughter and everything carried over into our, like, celebration. 
And we all started screaming and pounding each other's shoulders and throwing our hats in the air and yelling and cheering. And and, and Affleck does his line without a beat. He goes, well, if he can do it, so can we. And all the rest of us are yelling and screaming and cheering. And I know for a fact that's the one in the movie because okay. we never got that reaction again. We, we all played off. We were so um, laughing so hard and so affected by Affleck's hilarious impersonation. That's the one that's in the movie for sure. That's really And he loosened funny. us up and, and just cracked us up like that. Oh, that's so funny. You know, and uh, for, you know, another director, I might be like, yeah, you know what? He planned that. He knew he was going to, but no, Michael Bay does not seem to be uh, a self-aware no. person. <laughs> no, as I would learn, as I would learn. <laughs> so that's the last thing I remember being a big thing that day. We did that and it was really fun. And then we broke for like, you know, lunch or something like that. And the day was actually kind of winding down because everything was going to be in this hangar and outside and, and they'd gotten the interiors earlier with, with Alec and Josh and Ben. It wasn't too horribly long a day on set, I don't, as I recall. But then during the meal, we hear like that, okay, some guys might be going to Texas to shoot the rest of this stuff that mm-hmm. happened after this for continuity purposes. And I was like, oh, wow, that sounds cool. Right. I wonder... I, 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 they said like if you're willing to do that you know if you don't have anything on your schedule let us know and I was like sure I mean I had, I had a job at uh, doing some telemarketing for ADT and DirecTV in a liquor uh, in a little room above a liquor store in Inglewood so I didn't care yeah right I was like sure I'll blow that off uh, to work on a movie sure so I said I'll, I'm happy to do it if you know I, so I put my name on the list of people who are willing to do it and then we're winding down. It's the end of the day. And then he said, okay, they called out all the names of like guys who had said they would be willing to go to Texas. Line up. So we all lined up. And literally, this is where it got really interesting. Like Michael Bay and a couple of assistants walked down the line looking at us. And he would tap who was going to go to Texas and who was not. Mm-hmm. So he's walking down the line going, this guy, no. And it was very like, oh my gosh, like you're being picked by the king or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he's like, this guy, no, no, this guy, you. And then he comes across me, and he looked at me for a second. I don't know. He's, for, for some reason, he stopped and looked at me for a second. Like, it took him, like, everyone else, he just gone, blah, blah, blah. But he stopped and looked at me, and he's like, yeah, this guy for sure. And, Love it. And somebody said to him, like, somebody said to him, yeah, he was in the shot. And then I realized, oh, it was the volunteer, because I was, where I was placed in the volunteer shot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we all volunteered for the mission, they kind of had to pick me. Oh, yeah. You're, I, I just finally fucking found it. Uh, yeah, you're quite obvious in it. Like, you stand yeah. out uh, in, in all the best ways. That's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you, you get a slow-mo Michael Bay shot. I mean, yeah. I mean, if for nothing... I mean, sure, you had to deal with him being a dipshit, but... Uh, and and you know I know that we'll get to him being more of a dipshit, but, like, you got right. to be in a slow-mo Michael Bay shot. At oh, the very yeah. least, there's that. And you got to hang out with, uh, you know, your best friend Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah. that's what I always say. If I've been in a scene later, with somebody, yeah. they're my best friend. That's just how. It yeah. Goes. But I mean, everything that uh, I'll, I'll preface future stories by saying like everything that happened mm-hmm. after that, mm-hmm. I'm still, what would happen, like getting yelled at and everything that would happen in the next, in the subsequent time. I was, I couldn't have been happier. I, I'm still grateful for it. And nothing about that experience was bad in my opinion it was all amazing and i learned so much and i'm still eternally grateful like i'd never seen armageddon mm-hmm. i, I mm-hmm. wasn't familiar with michael's work at all uh i had no idea i just knew like you know when it came out and i was in the slow-mo shot and then it became famous you know michael Bay became or was famous for, like these slow-mo shots um 
you know, to be in one, great. It's a, it's a, you're right. It's an amazing thing. Like I'm really grateful for it. What's so, like, I, ironically enough, uh, it, it, there, there's uh, Michael Bay will also at some point play a part in you and me working together. Um, yes. In, in, in a small way anyway. Um, yes. It's an interesting connection. Uh, but yeah, so that was my, so I know so I was going to Texas mm-hmm. and they said, yeah, like get us your information and we'll call you and, you know, plan for this day and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. <laughs> so, yeah. So I drove home that night uh, back to my uh, the group house I was living in, uh, knowing that I was going to be shooting in, in Texas. That's in, phenomenal. In a couple weeks or something like that. How many more and days did you end up, once you actually got flown out, how long did you work on the show for? The show. I Sorry, that worked. is the most. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> people do say, oh, show, when they speak about movies in this town. But I, I've never done that before in my life. It's very weird that yeah. it just happened. It happens. Um, I worked that one day only in California. And mm-hmm. then I spent 10 or 11 days in Texas. Okay. But I didn't shoot all those 11 days because they shot the Japanese stuff, too. Oh, interesting. It's interesting. Like we shot some stuff in Houston first, okay, and we were there for like about a week, and they shot some stuff that had happened at Pearl on this ship in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then they shot some Japanese stuff uh, later too. Like, and then we were in Texas for a few days in Houston, and that was in Houston. They put us up at like the freaking Ritz Carlton or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. they, first of all, they flew me. And a bunch of the other selected guys, there were about, there were only about a dozen of us who were picked from California to go out and shoot in Texas stuff to add to the continuity stuff. Okay. Maybe 12 or 14 of us, something like that. And I was one of these guys. And we all flew on a small private plane. And I sat next to uh, Eric Christian Olson, who's now on one of those CSI shows or something. Okay. Yeah. And talked with him uh, when I wasn't sleeping because I, planes make me fall asleep like nothing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember talking with Eric a little bit. And, and falling asleep. <laughs> and I thought I was being rude to him because I was not listening to him because <laughs> I was like, kind of drifting off. Um, but they flew us on this all small plane down there. And then we drove to into downtown. And it was the first time I'd ever flown on such a small plane for so long, from like Los Angeles to Houston. Right. And then they shuttled us like um, to, uh, to the hotel. And I remember... Uh, and the hotel was like a Ritz Carlton or something in the heart of downtown Houston. All right. And I checked in, and, and I'm getting off the off the off the <clears> shuttle or whatever. And someone says, "Don't forget to all right, keep ex- people make sure you get your per diem." And I like was like, "What's per diem?" Mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was. Fantastic. Someone said to me, "Oh, that's the you know spending cash you know for meals and stuff like while we're here." I was like, "Oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to the ATM and taken out like a hundred bucks just to be safe or something." Sure. Like that. Yeah. Like, Thing like I'm taking like eighty bucks, of what I could afford to take out of my account to go just in case. But they're like, no, you're gonna get spending cash. I was like, oh, okay. So I went and checked in and and checked my name off and everything, and they hand me this envelope, and I forget how much it was, but it was something like three hundred, four hundred bucks. Not bad, not. Bad. And I was like, well, to me, it was like twenty three years old. I was like, and we're <laughs> only gonna be there for four days, and I was like, oh my. <laughs> God, <laughs> it was like four hundred. I think it was like four hundred dollars in cash or something like that. I was stunned. Of course, yeah, I was stunned. And then we went up to our rooms, and we each had our own room. Man, and it was a huge, like not a suite, but it was a big room with a big bed. Yeah, yeah, and a fancy shower. All right, like the Ritz Carlton. I was stunned. 
It was so opulent. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. <laughs> and I cannot imagine the to... room that Michael Bay was was sleeping in. Yeah, I can't was. even imagine where like <laughs> Affleck and, and and everyone was. So I can't remember much about what we shot in Houston, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of went by in a blur. Uh, but I do remember like going out with a few of the guys to, like a really fancy restaurant, like. Uh, like that night, you know, like a bunch of us were like, well, we have some money. Let's go to this restaurant. And we went to a restaurant where like the first President Bush had his like celebration victory when he got elected, like in 1988 in the 88 election or whatever it was. So we all went there and spent some money huh. on stuff. And I just was like, wow, this is amazing. So I can't remember much about shooting in Houston, though. I honestly don't remember much about it except driving out to where the ship was and watching them shoot other stuff. Yeah, on the ship that was going to be flashback to Pearl, stuff that was going to be on Pearl Har- at Pearl Harbor that happened earlier in the movie. Did what you, I do remember next. Did you have any illusions about like this is acting? Because here's the thing: I think it is acting, but you can get in your own head about it. So I was just curious. Yeah. Did were it you wasn't, like? I I I think like you know I realized like I was just a, a small tiny cog in a big picture thing, sure. but when I'd see the camera coming close to me, like when that initial first shot ever, like the lineup mm-hmm, shot, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, I got to act. Like I really got to like act. Cause like, they're going to zoom in on me. And I remember sure. that camera just coming right past me mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, I, if I, I got to be on my note here. Like, so I was listening and I was also kind of caught up in the moment. Cause like, it's my first shot ever in a movie. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'm listening to Alec give this speech about volunteering and look to the left and right of us. And you know, we all did it. Like we all did like a little glance, like to the left and right of us when he said that and everything. And we, we all were kind of acting in that moment. And there would be isolated moments here and there during the, over the course of the stuff where I would think, okay, this is acting. But other parts I was just like, I never got so full of myself. I, I realized I was just a tiny, tiny thing. And I realized like nothing is going to come from this really. except sure. Maybe like some work or I just got to enjoy the moment and watch and learn. That's what I remember being self-conscious about. Right. I didn't think of it as acting, but because I, to be honest, like I was so nervous about just being on camera that I didn't even think about like acting. I just no. wanted to not screw up. Sure. Yeah. This yeah, yeah. My first movie ever. And I, and I'd heard horror stories, you know, about like, Oh, that extra blew the whole scene or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I think we've, already, <laughs> we've talked about it on the show before, but I've definitely done it. I've been that guy. Good, good on you for not fucking up um, Pearl Harbor. Well, I <laughs> well, I hope I did. But, so I don't remember much about Houston. But then we went down to Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. and that's what I remember more. A lot of adventures happened down there. So we went down to Corpus Christi, which is on the coast, like on the Gulf of Mexico near South Padre Island and stuff. And it's a smaller city, and it's a coastal city. And there was where we shot on the USS Lexington, uh, which was a decommissioned uh, aircraft carrier. And that's where they shot a few things. I think also they shot some Japanese stuff. So we had a few days off while we were there where we just. You were on shore leave. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And then in Corpus, that's where we shot a lot of the rest of the stuff. So like the scene where you talked, just talked about how Affleck says that can't be good. This Mm -hmm. is where a lot of things start happening to me because we get there and, you know, me and another guy, Dan, went out one night with a bunch of like we got to Corpus Christi and again like they gave us per diem and it was like uh, maybe $50 less than what they'd given us in Houston which I had not barely spent 
except for that one meal, I hadn't spent practically any of it there. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, I would eat on set and, and wouldn't be hungry to go out. And I thought, and I was thinking already ahead, like, I'd like to have some of this cash when I get back to Los Angeles. Because I wasn't even thinking about the paychecks I was going to get. Sure, yeah. Movie. I was thinking, like, you know, I want to make sure I have some money and, and just be safe. Um, so in Corpus, they gave us, like, maybe $50 less than they'd given us in Houston. So then, by that point, I had, like, $700 in cash on me. Mm-hmm. At 23 years old, I just couldn't believe how flush that was. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, geez, I'd never walked around with that much cash before in my life. Mm. You know, and that was mine. You know, that wasn't like, you know, like, like money to, to, you know. I, I This is like, like a second with, bar mitzvah is what we're talking. It, it felt like that sort <laughs> mm-hmm. of. And so like in Corpus, we kind of cut loose a little bit. Like, you know, all of us had been like on our best behavior in Houston and we've been in this hotel downtown, but Corpus was a college town, like Texas A&M Corpus Christi was there and it was a small town and everyone knew everyone in town knew we were there shooting the movie. Yeah. So it was on the front page of the local paper. There were reporters and all these, just to be blunt, all these college girls, like Texas A&M Corpus Christi girls and other and college kids who were down there for their summer vacation or home for the summer for college, just, were everywhere. Sure. Yeah. And we'd shoot on the USS Lexington and we'd shoot these scenes. And that's where things, again, like interesting things started happening. So, uh, one day on set, uh, we're watch. it's the scene where a bunch of guys are like lying around and in the movie, it's where Michael Shannon and you and Brenner are having a little conversation and you and Brenner is like painting something on a bomb because his girlfriend got killed at Pearl Harbor. She was a nurse, and his girlfriend, fiance, got killed, and he's real, like, bent on vengeance. And Ewan is another guy, kind of like Josh Hartnett. Some guys were, like, very, like, loose about things, you know, in between scenes. Mm-hmm. Other guys were very intense. And I remember seeing Ewan, like, kind of, like, sitting and meditating. And he was very quiet. Wow, okay. And I think he didn't talk much because he's Scottish, and he was trying to keep his accent in check. Oh, he's okay, sure. American in the movie. So he didn't want to talk and loosen up because he didn't want to have to get back into his normal uh, he didn't want to fall into his normal speaking voice and keep his dialect off his off his line, lines in the movie and everything. sure yeah so as i recall ewan didn't talk much at all michael was more michael shannon who you know is now real famous but who was nobody then mm-hmm. was a little more loose um but he was still very intense too like when we'd work he was all in and then he he'd loosen up a little bit in between scenes and talk with Affleck and other guys about casual stuff. Sure. But so Michael and Ewan are talking in the scene and everyone's doing different stuff. Like some guys are mopping the decks and some guys are doing calisthenics and some guys are moving cans, you know? And so they're shooting this, they're, they're planning and stretching the scene and spreading us out. And, and then Bay calls me over. And by this time I'd seen him yell at people a lot. And I knew he had a short temper about that. Yeah. So he's he goes over to this pile of like um, I guess I think they were gasoline cans, but they were all empty. You know, they weren't full of anything. And I know this is a pet peeve a lot of people have about like on set, like actors, you know, drinking from cups that are empty. Sure. Or yeah. Pour, you know, it's something that you notice and drives some people crazy, and it drives actors crazy too who watch it on on camera. All these gasoline cans were empty. And so he says to me, okay, what I want you to do is just like lean against these cans and just relax and maybe get some sun. I'm like, okay. So I knew they were empty. They were like piled up high. 
and they looked very precarious. Like they looked like they could tip over at any moment. Mm-hmm. So I knew I couldn't lean against them because like they would fall over and make a clang all over the deck of this steel deck of this aircraft carrier. It was right on the deck. So I was like, okay. So I just laid on the ground and I put all my weight on my back of my arms and in my shoulders and put my head lightly against them. And I didn't put my weight on them because mm-hmm. I knew they'd topple. And Michael's like, what are you doing? Just just lie down. I was like, okay. So I adjusted myself and put like all my weight on one arm and my head on my on my hand and relaxed like that. Again, like not leaning on the actual cans. He's like, no, no. What, what, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting yelled at in front of everybody. And this is the one thing I didn't want was mm-hmm. to get yelled at. Of course. So I did it again. I adjusted myself, making sure again I didn't put any weight on this tall pyramid of, of gas cans, empty gas cans. And uh, and I didn't think to say, well, these are empty. I can't lean against them for real or anything like that. I'm just trying to do what he says. And I do it again, and he yells at me like, no, no, what is wrong with you? Get up, get up, get up, get the fuck up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So I get up. And he goes, and he goes, like this. And immediately, before I could tell him, wait, those are empty or something, anybody could say anything to him, he just flops against them. And they just all come <laughs> tumbling down. <laughs> they fall on top of him. They clang. They go skidding across the, the top of the deck of the ship. They fall on him. Like, you know, <laughs> they were metal. They were mm-hmm. empty. It wasn't like they were going to crush his skull or anything. Sure. But they still fell on him. And they were like, some idiot... <laughs> Whoever did this had stacked them like pretty high, like almost like five feet high oh in a God. pyramid. And I don't know why they thought that was smart. Like who piles a bunch of gas cans up like the that? The gas cans are a know. loss leader, Matt. People need to see those first. <laughs> <laughs> it was just stupid set design, in my opinion. That's nuts. But I, yeah. But he just he flopped against them, and of course they all came tumbling down, getting across, <laughs> crashing, and a million people rushed him like Michael, Michael, you okay? Michael. And he like. He got, got up and, like, swung his arms and sent more flying around. He's like, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. <laughs> it storms off. And I just, like, stood there, like. And everyone chases that. A few people chased after him, and I'm just standing there, and I'm like, I knew they were empty. That's why I didn't lean against them or something. I, I said it, like, just to the air. Sure. And a few people, like, smiled at me and were like, oh, my God. Mm. And other people were rolling their eyes like, Jesus Christ. I love so- the I, – I, while I know he didn't learn his lesson because I've still heard monster stories of him since, I, I love that you were in some way involved with the one time he made himself look like an absolute dick, for sure, oh, on that yeah, movie. Yeah, he looked, he looked like a fool. He That's- looked like an – absolute fool it was like the most immature hissy fit thing (laughs) i'd ever seen it was so silly so eventually they fixed the cans and instead of like piling them into a pyramid they just lined them up in little groups of two or whatever like that and i did what i had done in the first place just lean with all my weight (laughs) on my arms and stuff and of course you don't see any of that of course not no 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 no. anything like that but that was an example of like yeah of a michael being kind of a jerk but later, uh, in like, I don't think it was that same day. I think it was like another day, like at lunch, like after lunch, you know, we're cleaning and scraping our plates and I, I bring my tray and I scrape my plate and across from me scraping his plate is, is Alec mm-hmm. and it's just him and me. And I couldn't believe it. And I was like, kind of like, okay, if you're going to talk to him, this is the place to talk to him. So I was like, hi, I, I just want to say, I really admire your work and, uh, I'm amazed that I'm working on this with you, and I really liked your performance in that TV movie version of Streetcar Named Desire, which I did, mm-hmm. which had just aired like the year before. And he's like, "Oh, wow, 
thank you. And then he tells me, you know, an interesting thing about that, like I almost didn't do it because I had played it on Broadway. And then while we were shooting that, Treat Williams was doing it on Broadway and I didn't want to, you know, uh, upstage his performance or something right. like that. And Interesting. Like, oh my God. And he says something to the effect of like, I've never told people that like that before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. wow. That's awesome. I'm kind of blown away that he's talking to me like this. And then he says like, oh, I'm Alec, by the way. Like, I don't know who he is. Sure, of course. Of course. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Matt. And you know, we shook hands and he was really really sweet to me that's it was amazing nice. it was see really that nice. that makes up for some of the garbage that's not bad oh that was it was great it was great and things like that uh with 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 alec uh that happened with alec and then like uh you know and then later that day we're shooting a scene and it's a scene where um alec walks by a few of us and it's in the, and this is what's interesting this is a scene that it's, it's when I've seen it on like some channels, like AMC, they'll put it in, okay. but it wasn't in the theatrical release. But TV stations will put this scene back in, and I don't understand it. It's and usually for time. They wrap around like if this one scene doesn't work, they'll cut it short, and then they're like, oh, shit, we have to make up the difference, and that's when they'll usually throw in an extra scene. It's weird. It is. I, I never understood it, and I've never understood it to this day, and I'm never like, I have it. I think I have a DVD that I bought of it, like at a half price books or something like that, for like six dollars because I never owned it. Mm-hmm. And I decided, well, I might as well own this. Movie, the first movie I was ever in, I might as well own a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never watched it to see if like that's in the DVD or if it's in the bonus features or something like that, um, where it might be for all I know. Mm-hmm. But I have seen it on TV, like um, when they showed it on. I think network tv and i think they showed it on amc too but it's a crap shoot sometimes they will show it sometimes yeah. they don't um so but in the scene like alec, oh sorry yeah go ahead oh yeah no in the scene like alec well, a bunch of us are playing cards and, I, and and i'm just standing there hanging out watching the guys play cards and then alec and kim Coates walk up to us and i notice alec right off i i notice alec because i'm standing there and i snap to attention and every take he did it like he put his hand on my shoulder and you know say at ease and stuff and then we'd relax and he'd sit down at the table with us and talk uh, about volunteers and and shuffle the cards and stuff love it and yeah but every every take he would always like you know i was instructed like you know you notice him first and snap too and alec you know you can just tell him to relax or whatever but you don't speak i remember like (laughs) (laughs) i know not to speak (laughs) i uh... alec was always in Every time, Alec, every time he would put his hand on my shoulder and like, you know, you know, put and, and give me a little nod, like a, a little Eddie's nod. And it meant the world to me that he noticed me and, and would do that. with me Of course. Day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was very nice. So uh, and, I think we're going to have to do a second episode with you because uh, we have one segment on the show we have to do. Oh, sure. And we have uh, you have other stories. So I think we're going to oh, do a second episode at some boy. point because I'd like to cover the other stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, this is all the Pearl stuff because like, I know you were watching. Like uh, with Affleck, you know, saying that can't be good. I was his bunkmate in that scene. Uh-huh. And uh, it felt like in the movie, like like I said, like I was in all these scenes that happened, like after the volunteer scene to mm. the scene where we, um, where after the mission launches, I'm in all of them. But it's, and I've said this to people, it's like Michael Bay after the, the based on the gas can incident, <laughs> was like, let's look at this scene. Oh, it's great. Well, there's that guy who <laughs> embarrassed me in front of the gas cans. Let's just cut him out. Perfect. Print. Put it on. Because that's what happened. Yeah. Because you watch that movie, you see me in, in those in that scene and in that extra scene that, you know, wasn't shown theatrically, 
and I'm there. I'm somewhere in there. My foot's in there, mm-hmm. but you never see me much the rest of it. That's so. You funny. see my feet and my and <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, it it really was frustrating. Like when I went and saw the movie mm-hmm. in theaters, I was like kind of like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so we have one segment on the show called five and over and, and you need to take an extra something you did as an extra or, uh, preferably like an under five part on something and then tell Mm. me what that thing's spinoff is. Now it does not have to be a TV show just because the thing was a TV show. You could spin off, you know, something from the Nickelodeon show you're on into its own feature film or vice versa. So, uh, what's one that you would like to turn into its own thing? I think I would, like you mentioned the Nickelodeon show. Uh-huh. I think I'd like to spin off the Nickelodeon show because that was really a fun thing. Because mm-hmm. in that Nickelodeon show, which is on my reel that you so generously put together for sure. me. Um, the I show is 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowd. I, I yes, 100 yes. Deeds for Eddie McDowd. Uh-huh. A well-known bully <laughs> gets turned into a dog and has to do 100 <laughs> good deeds to be turned back into a human. And his new owner is the biggest victim of his bullying uh, oh my gosh it was a moral lesson mm-hmm, as, a, mm-hmm. as a sitcom um but on that show i played a high school wrestler and it was a, another weird and pretty awesome day on set and but the, i played a high school wrestler in it and i got to wrestle which i hadn't done since my high school wrestling days mm-hmm. and i think i'd spin off that wrestler character because i'd like to see his journey like to wrestle and hopefully like in my head i think like he was good enough to get a college scholarship and maybe wrestle in the olympics and become an inspirational figure love it i love it maybe become a pro wrestler i don't know but that's what i think it would be fun to do there are other people i've done but that's the one i i I like the most because i just like the athletic nature of it sure that's fun i like that do we have a name for it what do we now this says your character's name is zoloff uncredited is that is that because like why it's that because like when i win the match mm-hmm. in the episode and the and the head coach because it's a it's a tryout mm-hmm. for the wrestling team and the head coach is refing it and he raises my arm and says winner's olaf mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. my that's the character's name that's so funny yeah so my character had a name it's just that like on the, uh, i didn't have any lines um but he had a name because you hear him say like winner, like you hear him call my name to wrestle the main character on the show, mm-hmm. and I win, and he raises my arm and says, "Winner's Olaf." Mm-hmm. Better, better luck next time to the other guy to the lead on the show who I just pinned. Mm-hmm. So that's his name, Zoloff. Yeah. All right. Um, so I mean, so it, it would be, you, you, all right. There's there's so I guess many. Would be the Zoloff the wrestler? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Like there 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 are many. I mean, there's there in you know there are. Plenty of drug pun options there as well. I mean, yes. so close when to I, Zoloft. I didn't know about the drug until after, mm-hmm. or maybe I thought about it on set. Like, is his name Zoloft? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think I think it's Zoloft with yeah. two Fs. That's how it was written, like in the script, because I did get to see the script real fast. So, um, so I want to again. Uh, we're gonna have to have you back because you've got more stories sure. than a lot of people. And uh, frankly, <laughs> I love the fact that we just spent a whole episode just on Pearl Harbor because there's, oh, there's so much Pearl good. Too. Oh, I know, I can't wait. Oh, um, <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, really quickly. This is not gonna come out for a while, but I do want you to promote some stuff. But I, w- I can at the very least say that Matt has, and I have been working together for a long time, including a yes. documentary on the vice presidency that we have been working on for about a dozen years. Will 
it'll yeah. happen eventually. It just things take a while. But yes, he also and there was a yes. there was a Facebook post made today on the vice president's page. Oh yeah, so check out uh, it's just facebook.com slash vice precedents. So check yes. that out. Uh, Matt also plays LB Barker, who is my campaign manager and then uh eventually my uh my enemy basically in this series <laughs> of political mockumentary stuff that uh we've been working on since 2004 uh in wow. one way or another i think we you and i first shot in yeah it would have been october 2004 is when we first shot so 15 years now uh, wow <laughs> yeah um but tell people uh, keeping in mind that uh, this won't be super timely but general maybe some general um promotion of some stuff sure that's Absolutely. Well, here in uh, the Twin Cities, I run, I, I'm the, a member of Shadow Horse Theater. It's the theater company I founded in Los Angeles, and it continues here in Minnesota. And uh, we are planning a show uh, coming up in February uh, at the Elysian Playhouse. Uh, we're trying to put it all together. Uh, don't want to say anything official about it right now. Sure. Uh, we just are trying to put down the money for the space, but we're putting together a show uh, in February, hopefully, of 2020 for Shadow Horse Theater. Awesome. And we have our own website, Shadow Horse Theater. And you can see pictures of past productions going back to the ones in L.A. and the other productions and shows we've done. Um, and I produce and direct uh, the Drinking Game Minnesota show, a spinoff of the wonderful Drinking Game shows uh, that it's all thanks to Jason. Um, you know, Jason and the Drinking Game uh, production team there in L.A., uh, suggested that i spin off the show here in minnesota and jason's encouragement encouraged me to give it a shot and we'll be having our eighth anniversary uh in february of 2020 that is just awesome came off two weeks ago we just came off uh, our wonderful november show toy story it mm-hmm. was fantastic uh our december show saturday december 7th will be home alone mm-hmm. and we announced our 2020 season and it's got uh amazing movies i think you know it's on our facebook page of drinking game minnesota uh the 2020 season announcement i think we've got a lot of exciting wonderful movies that we're going to do and it's going to be a blast and you can also look on youtube for some videos from past shows that we've done like our lion king show and our anchorman show uh it's something that i really love doing and we do it every first saturday of the month except august uh here in the twin cities at the phoenix theater in uptown Mm -hmm. so that's you can look forward to that every month um, my improv group, Last Action Movie, just did a performance last night. We're hopefully going to have some more performances. Uh, we're working on getting scheduled for the Miami Improv Festival in Miami in the new year. And hopefully, again, the Spontaneous Combustion Festival at the Basement Theater in Atlanta, where we've performed numerous times. I'm not always able to travel to those, but sometimes I do. And our group always does good shows, I think. And we do long-form uh, improvised action movies, improvised Coen brother movies, improvised James Bond movies, and we just started a new horror uh, format too. So you can find us and see stuff like that from us as well. And of course, I'm on IMDb, and I always appreciate you know looks and everything, and and tweet and uh, clicks on my page and my talent profile, Minnesota playlist, uh, which is the Twin Cities play uh, 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 local actors website and i'm in a play right now called uh i know this is gonna air later but i'm in a play right now called church and state and it's a wonderful show and uh i'm always trying to find something to do and 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 work even here well matt 
as always, it's a delight talking with you. Um, oh, it's so great talking with you. Fun interviewing you. And I'll just Thanks. you know what? I'm just going to promote the one thing that uh, is easy to promote uh, for me, which is a drinking game, uh, which when this comes out, it will already have been done. But we're doing Goonies this month. No idea nice. what's coming up in the next few months, but it's worth checking out. There's a drinking game here. Minneapolis, there's one in New York City, and now there's one in Austria, so uh, in Vienna. So uh, it's kind of remarkable, slowly growing, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a fun show. Um, Matt, again, thank you. Thank you guys oh, for this listening. Great. Thank you. And I'm going to leave you guys with the same thing I leave you with every week, and that is, I'm sorry I missed your thing. I, I don't own a TV, so... <laughs> You can find The Professional Blur on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you find podcasts. And follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Klom and follow his hashtag, The Professional Blur. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!